You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. So good to have everybody. Thank you. A couple people are awake. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, today. So let me, they're going to stand, let's stand one more time. Let's stand one more time. We're going to read through the book of Hebrews chapter 2, just four verses today. Uh, four verses, and then we'll jump in uh, with some more prayer. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of God. All right, let's, before you sit, let's pray one more time, just in respect and reverence of Jesus. Uh, Lord, again, we come before you. Um, we want to hear your word. We want to hear and listen to it carefully and that we might surrender to it, that we might confess the things that are broken in our hearts that still maybe we're blinded to. And that then we will receive that forgiveness and then help us, Lord, through your power, your Holy Spirit abide in you. And I pray that this, this will take place continually from this day forward. That we'll constantly be reflecting on who you are and what you have done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what a great start to the morning. Good song. Uh, good chocolate treats in the back. Um, there's a lot of sticky hands on those treats, by the way. So, uh, But all that sugar just kind of takes away all the sickness. All right. So it's really great. Uh, But as we shift kind of, as we shift into this fall season, have you noticed the change in the weather? You've noticed a change in kind of abilities to see, like there's fog that is rolling in off of the ocean and into our neighborhoods. And it's, it's, it's more difficult now to begin to see. And it's actually beautiful when you're, when you're up above it, but when you're, when you see it, man, it's, it, it shades your eyes. It, It clouds your vision. And when I think about, anytime I think about the fog rolling in, I actually, it takes me to uh, boats or airplanes. And I talked a little bit about this this morning with Ali, she former pilot of an aircraft. And I was like, what is it like, like flying in the clouds when you can't see anything? There's no points of reference. Like you, you must, well, probably in these newer planes, you must really rely on all the instruments. And she's like, yeah, um, but if those instruments fail for a second, you're upside down in seconds. And I was like, that's cool. I'm interested in that. You might not be. So sorry for freaking you out of flying planes, but this is what happens when instruments fail, when things break down. And that's the same thing with boats, right? I, I was reading a lot about this kind of stuff. 30-foot swales of, of, in the ocean, no, there's no reference points, but merely just the things, your tools, your instruments, and most importantly, your engine. Because it will take you on the trajectory that you're going. If you want to stay, you need a r- really big anchor. How, 
how do we miss this when it comes to our spiritual life? This is our tool. This is our guiding point. This is our compass. This is, those, this is the most intricate tool and instruction piece for us to get through the clouds, the fog, the smoke, the storm. And if we miss this, we miss really everything. We're going to be found on a trajectory going somewhere far away from where it is guiding you. And this is what we're talking about. This is Hebrews chapter 2, the beginning of it anyways. And the focal point again is Jesus. And Jesus even warns us of this, that persecution will come. Trial will come. In the book of 1 Peter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, Beloved, like that's the most gentle phrase. Beloved, loved ones, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were going to happen. See, then it's in our text today too. It's in our text. The, the trials will come. The, the drifting of sorts will come. And that's what we want to pay attention to in our text this morning. This is where we're going to be going uh, in this because the author is exhorting. Remember, this is a word of an exhortation to a church. A warning, a loving warning. Pay attention to the tools, the equipment that I've given you. It's necessary to get you to your destination. So the outline for this morning is pay attention. What have we heard? The message is reliable. There will be a reliable and just retribution. And then four is the application. We're going to bring, I'm going to bring as much as I possibly can application. I'm starting it with the kids. Just a small time with the children and, and I want to know them more intimately, but I want to know you as well. And I want to press into you. And, and just so you know, when I bring application, I'm doing it too, just so you know. So it's not just me going, this is what you need. This is what I need. So what do we do with what we've heard? And so look at number one. What have we heard? Hebrews 2, 1 again says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift, drift away from it. Such a sweet, loving exhortation. So what have we heard? Well, this has to be like the therefore, if you remember in English class in high school or junior high, maybe, maybe even in elementary school, depending on your teacher, why is the therefore, therefore? And it always was pointing back, like the therefore is always referencing something that was before it, right? Why is the therefore, therefore? And so we need to go back to chapter one. And, and I said last week, I think maybe even the week before, that we could spend a long time in chapter one, a long time. And remember, there's two things that I did not want to ever miss, and we can't miss it when we, we read through chapter one, is who is Jesus and what has he done? If you miss those two things, who is Jesus and what has he done, then you're, we're missing everything. And so let me recap really quickly who Jesus is of chapter 1. He is the heir, the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature, superior to all of creation, to be worshipped. His throne is eternal. He is the anointed one, the creator, eternal in nature, all-powerful, immutable, which is unchanging, and he is the king. That's who Jesus is, and, and incredibly important. We have to know this. Who is he? 
And man, every letter in the scripture, especially in the New Testament, is front loaded with information. So reading the first couple chapters, we're going to get loaded up with all kinds of information. And then all the way through till chapter 13, it's going to be an unpacking of this. And chapter 1 couldn't be more loaded. Jesus is God. This is who Jesus is. So what has he done? He upholds the universe. He purifies us from our sin, has fully accomplished his work. He is the giver of salvation to all those who believe in him. This is who, what Jesus has done. This is who Jesus is. We can't miss that. If we miss those two things, we've missed everything. We're going to be in a storm with not being guided. And so we need to know who Jesus is, what he has done. Here in our chapter 2, the author is now going the therefore is pointing back to one specific thing. He's zeroing in on salvation. Let me, let me prove it to you. Look in your Bibles, chapter 2, again, verses 1 through 3. I don't have it on the screen because I want you to look in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, please bring a Bible. If you need a Bible, we have them at the back. Uh, you can grab one. It's our gift to you. But it says this really quickly. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Again, what have we heard? We've heard salvation is in Jesus Christ. Lest we drift away from it, salvation. For since the message declared by angels proved the message, salvation, since the, since the salvation declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great, here it is, salvation? It's all pointing to it. And then it says, it was, it, salvation was, declared at first by the Lord, and it was, salvation was, attested to us by those who heard. The author is making a sweet point. Look at salvation. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one you need to surrender to. Give your life over to all of your heart, mind, soul, strength. It's Jesus. He is supreme. And four things that we're going to see actually over and over in this 13 chapters of Hebrews, I'm going to be constantly going back and forth into chapters one and all throughout as we go through this in this next year or so. But you're going to see four things. Prophetic supremacy. Prophetic supremacy. This is Jesus as God. He was prophesied as God, the God one to come. He's fully equal to. And then we see also... Secondly, the cosmic supremacy. And he is the ruler over all things. He created all things. We've seen this in chapter 1. Prophetic supremacy, cosmic uh, supremacy, Levitical supremacy, which we're going to unpack. This is probably most unpacked throughout Hebrews. That he is the, the better priest. He is the eternal one. And then we have angelic supremacy, which is verses 4 through 14 of chapter 1, which he is superior to all heavenly creatures. So this is Jesus. This is the message we have heard. We've heard it. We've listened to it. Now what do we do? We surrender. We surrender to it. And just in case we missed it, look again at salvation in chapter 1, verse 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, prophetic supremacy. And he upholds the universe, cosmic supremacy of his power after making purification for sins, Levitical supremacy, 
How does he make purification for your sins? The priests of the Old Testament would take an animal, shed its blood, and sprinkle the blood on things to make them clean. Jesus was that lamb, died on the cross, shed his blood, sprinkling it on you that you might be clean, purified from your sin. He's the better priest, the eternal one. This is the gospel. This is the salvation that the author is pointing to. And we can't miss it. We can't miss it. Then there is this ominous warning in chapter 1 or verse 1 of chapter 2. Lest we drift away from it. See, this is a clear warning and one we will see throughout the letter. In fact, there are greater, the greatest warning and most loving warning you could ever hear. That Jesus is your salvation. What are you going to do with it? It's the most loving thing you can say. That's why we want to do local missions. We want to share with our friends and our neighbors about this amazing story that Jesus is supreme over all things and you, we need to bow to him and surrender our lives to him. See, there's all kinds of warnings and some of them are good, like, uh, like warnings do not smoke on an airplane. Warnings like uh, look both ways before crossing the street. A weird warning, right? Like don't, don't eat uh, and then swim, like wait 30 minutes. I have no idea. That's a weird warning to me. I actually have done it quite often and everything's fine. I'm still alive. Uh, and then there's the other warnings like don't swim in shark infested waters. That's a good warning. Probably heed that one, right? And there's some funny ones. I, like our computer's gone wacky, but I looked up some funny signs. Do that on your free time if you like. But there's this one funny sign. It's a big, huge yellow sign in a parking lot. And it just says, warning, this sign has sharp edges. It's like, we'll take the sign down. Like, that's all it says. It's like, warning, this, this sign has sharp edges. Funny. I thought it was pretty funny. Maybe you didn't. No laughs. Tough crowd. All right. But the greatest warning to continue to nail this point down is that Jesus is your salvation. He is the one that we need to go after. Do not drift away from salvation that is found in and through Jesus. See, I'm emphasizing this point over and over again because the author of Hebrews does it as well. And you'll look these verses up in, in your community groups, but check it out. I'll send these to the community group leaders that can pass on to you, unless you want to take a sc- screenshot. But you see this exhortation over and over uh, that, there, uh, that, that we see throughout Hebrews. And we're going to get to all of these, but this is the same exhortation over again, like chapter 3, 7 through 8, 12, 15, 4, chapter 4, 1, 7, 11, 16, chapter 10, 22 to 25, 35 to 39, chapter 12, 1, 15, 25, and 28, and then chapter 13, verse 15. It's over and over again. Let's, let me just take you to chapter 12, verse 25. It says this, See that you do not refuse him, kind of using some different language, but the same message, refuse Jesus who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused Jesus who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject Jesus who warns now from heaven. There's a lesser and a greater here, and, the, and we'll get to that eventually. But the central point, friends, is that Jesus is supreme. I want to hit nail that over and over so that when we walk through our day and we think of ourselves too highly, we will remember Jesus is supreme. 
the exhortation in this letter, like I just showed, is over and over and over again. Don't miss it, is the exhortation. Don't drift away from it. The cosmic, prophetic, Levitical, angelic, supreme one. Don't miss this. It's the greatest and most loving warning we could ever get. Second point. Secondly, the message we heard is a reliable message. Look at chapter 1, again, 2, verses 2 through 4. It says this, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable in every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Again, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. The author is backing up the importance of the message that we are not to neglect or drift away from. He's backing it up. He's going, friends, this is a reliable message. It's reliable. In my studies, I found actually in the Hebrew writing, the Hebrew writing style, that there's this word in Hebrew called kalva homer. And it means, it literally means light and heavy. It can also be translated as lesser or greater. And it's the same message. It's just brought to us lesser and then the same message is greater. And we've seen this over and over again. If you listen to the sermon last week or go back to it, you'll see all the contrast that I pulled out in chapter 1. This is the lesser and the greater. Right in the first verse of chapter 1, we see that God spoke, right? God spoke, same message, but he spoke through the prophets to the fathers, then to us. That's the lesser in the Hebrew writing. And the greater of the Hebrew writing is the God, same message, God spoke to Jesus, Jesus to us. That's the greater. So don't miss the greater message. That's what the Hebrew writing is doing here. So here in our text, Cal, which is the lesser, is found in verse 3 saying, it was attested to us by those who heard it. And this is a church, member 60 years after Jesus rose from the dead, so there would have been some that actually saw that ascension, that were there, present. But then there would be a lot that they'd heard it from dad or mom or uncle or grandpa. And uh, they just heard that message. This is the lesser. This is the message of salvation passed down through the generations by the prophets to our fathers. They heard through the prophets the testimony of their fathers and by the angels. The Valhomer here is the greater. It is found in verse 4. It says, God also bore witness. So not only did we hear, but God also bore witness. We can't miss the miracles that God gave. This is the greater. God bore witness to his word by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed. This is the reliable word. This is the undisputable word. This is coming from the one who doesn't change but remains forever. There is no greater of a witness than God himself. See, knowing the message is a reliable one, it only makes sense that drifting from it or neglecting it would bring just retribution. So if this is a reliable word that we've seen change even in our own life, like I'm discipling this one couple right now and, and it's so sweet to watch someone come to know Jesus and then change. Like this individual's like taking what I've said looking it up and finding it in scripture and then studying it and understanding the words. You just don't do that when you're not 
transformed by the Holy Spirit, that's a sign that God is who he says he is. That's a miracle. That's a, that's a, that's a transformed life. And these are the signs that we see right in front of us. So let's not drift away. We're seeing salvation take place even in our own hearts and our minds. So look at, look at number three here. There will be reliable and just retribution for neglected salvation. Reliable and just retribution. See, the word retribution is a payment for wrongdoing. Payment for wrongdoing. It, it can also be translated as reward. It's a reward. Like, you get this. Like, there's no holding back. There's no deciding if you get it. You get it. It's a little bit different than judgment. Like, judgment is still, I'm going to determine if you're right or wrong. There might be a lawyer to help argue these points. But this is retribution. This is, you deserve this. It is your reward. See, the message was declared, it has been proven reliable, and if what you have heard is neglected, you will receive justly, and justly is perfect. You will receive this perfect reward. So we see this played out when the people of Israel broke the Sabbath by committing adultery. We see this in the Old Testament constantly. There is just retribution. And the message was given to them by angels, and we'll see this in a, in a moment. But going back to the lesser and greater, retribution will come. We see that how shall we escape if this salvation message is from the Lord? See, in our text, the cow, the lesser, is the message declared by angels, proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. This is the lesser. See, the author is referring to the law that came to the people of Israel by way of angels. And we see that back if you go to Acts chapter 7, verse 33. It says, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. That's why there's payment. There's a reward for you. And the reward is not one that you want. It's a retribution. See, this is the Vahomer. The greater now in our text is how shall we escape then if we neglect such a great salvation. So if we get payment, you're, are you guys tracking with me? If you get payment from a lesser language, if you get payment from someone like me warning you, if there's right retribution, if I warn you, how much greater if Jesus warns you? This is what this is saying. This is what the author is trying to get to. Don't take my word for it. Jesus said it. That's the greater and this is the Val Homer, the greater in our text is how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is both the exhortation and warning. Neglecting the law of God in the Old Testament brought death, as we saw. Right? God, God gave, scribed in his, with his finger the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down and explains the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm missing a massive party. Smashed them anyway and got some more and came down again. Right? explains the Ten Commandments. They understand the Sabbath, the day of rest. And then soon thereafter, someone's walking around picking up sticks. Seems pretty minor, but is it? It's a holy day set apart for the Lord. So they pray, the leaders of the, the, the Israel nation, they pray and they ask the Lord, what should we do? And the, he responds to Moses saying, take this man outside of the city and all the nation of Israel go with and stone him to death. We need to learn from this and just go, God is serious. 
Multiple times in the Old Testament it says he is a jealous God over his worship. He is the only one that deserves worship. What will it be for this church 60 years after Jesus rose from the dead? They heard from Jesus, read his words, seen the miracles, the signs, the resurrection, his ascension. What about for us? You know, I counseled a guy for a couple years and he goes, man, I, I, would, I would just believe this way more if, if, if I saw like, you know, Paul, like visions of Christ and, and heard a voice from heaven. And I just threw my Bible down on the table. I said, you have. You have heard it. Like you and I are not without excuse because we didn't leave and live in the time of Jesus. We have his words here. Like, so we have to ask the question, if there's just retribution for those that heard through prophets to fathers to them, what is it like going to be like for us if we neglect and drift away from the salvation that we're offered? How will it be for us that, that carry his word of God, that have tasted the Holy Spirit, those that sit in church, teach Sunday school, sing, all while neglecting Jesus throughout the week. And remember, friends, I'm saying this to me too. Like, think about it. Think about where your mind goes through the week. Sitting on the couch, what you're watching. Think about just in your car, like what you think about, where your motivation goes. Like, I know because we're all human, we're not 100%. So, so again, the warning is for us, as it was for the Hebrew church. Do not neglect the gift of salvation. It's a free gift. Do not neglect it, lest you drift away. So you might say, Jared, what about the grace of God? Well, I'm with you. I rely on that grace every single day. See, God is incredibly gracious with us, but ha- also has challenged us. And this is the challenge. This is, this, this is one of those exhortations. I really, really, really encourage you to not drift from it. It's a loving exhortation to us. But let me take you to Hebrews chapter 10. Again, this is also in Hebrews 6. And again, here in Hebrews 10. But let me read Hebrews 10, 28 to 31. It says, anyone who has set aside, and here's the lesser and the greater, the Val, the Calval Homer, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So what he's saying there, in Israel, with the Ten Commandments, if you had two or three witnesses watching you pick up sticks, then you were judged by that. You're, you're given your right, just reward, which was death. So verse 29, how much worse then, punishment then, you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled under the fo- underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing. See, there will be a just and reliable retribution for how we neglect the free gift of salvation. 
It's a free gift. And now we sing about, now we praise the Lord for. But we still are receiving that from a holy, perfect God who hates wickedness, which we saw in chapter 1. So this is exactly what the letter of Hebrews is warning us. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. Now, in your community groups, you're going to talk about drifting. I've been talking a lot about drifting with other individuals, taking them out for lunch, hanging out, asking, what causes you to drift? And that's a question you can talk about on your way home or in your community groups. But what is, what is, it, what is it causing you to drift? What is, what is that thing that's making your heart go elsewhere other than the Scripture? Kent Hughes wrote this. He's a theologian commentary writer. He he wrote, the point is that if we are not careful to give earnest heed to the life-changing truth of Christ, we will drift in our spiritual life. If there is no proactive, intentional obedience and application of truth in my life, I will drift away in devotion. It is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And we know people like this, don't we? Like I know a lot of Friends that have just slowly drifted without even knowing it. Drifted from church. Drifted from meeting and gathering as the people of God as Hebrews 10 tells us to do. See, we know people like this. People that have gone to church all their lives and then just slowly drifted away. There was no major event. They just stopped making Jesus a priority. So we have a message that has been spoken that we are needing to listen to. The message of that that has been spoken is reliable. And that message also brings a just retribution if you neglect it. So the application for us is what do we do? What do we do with this amazing thing that we've heard? And I would go back to the start of my outline where it says pay attention. And again, friends, I'm saying that to me. I wish I was down there with you. Pay attention. Jer, pay attention. Like this is, this is important. Pay attention. We pay attention with urgency because of the one who gave the message. We pay attention because of its reliability. We pay attention because of the retribution we've, we'd receive if we drift from it. We pay attention because of, of the affirmations of God confirming it, the eyewitness account, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It would actually be foolishness if we drifted from it because even the all of creation is pointing to Jesus. It would actually be like swimming in the waters with the sharks ignoring the signs. It would be flying in a plane in the middle of a storm, ignoring the instruments. It would be like in a boat in the middle of an ocean, 30-foot swells, tossing your compass off the edge. Kent Hughes again wrote this on this specific text. The concern is not for those who reject the gospel. So what he's saying is, This is not for the unbeliever. This is for the church. Remember, this letter was exhorting the church. The concern is not for those who reject the gospel, but for those who neglect it. 
The concern is for one's attitude, the one who has let the greatness of Christ slip away, the one who no longer marvels at the atonement, the one who no longer has a desire for the word, the one who does not pray in his spirit, the one who is drifting back to where he came from and has little concern about his drifting. And I would, I would charge all of us, that's probably us, many of the hours, days, maybe even weeks in our life. Maybe months, maybe even years. Um, we have a friend that was just over just the other day and they hadn't gone to church for like three years. And the statement was, um, I just couldn't find a church that would fit me. Well, whatever church you're going to find then that fits you is the wrong one. It's the wrong one. It's not pointing you to Jesus. See, I, like I said, I asked many this week, what causes us to drift and neglect our relationship with Jesus? And there's a long list of things that we came up with. Some of those are like complacency and apathy and selfishness and, and pride is one of those. But I would argue that everything that we come up with, and as you come up, please do some deep diving into, you, into your soul and your heart of why you go away from the Lord is because of a deeper root issue. See, complacency, apathy, selfishness, pride, priorities are all just fruits of a deeper issue. The real issue of why we drift is because we love we. I love me way more than I love Jesus. That's the reason I drift. I set me on the throne. That's the deep-rooted heart issue. See, drifting, the neglect of Christ is always goes back to you because you think this is more important. I want to do this now. I want this in my life. I want this over here. I want, I want, I want, I want. There's no surrender there. That's why to the kids and to you, listen, first action, surrender. It's an action step. Listen to the word you've heard and surrender to it. I'm not saying anything different than the writer of Hebrews. Pay close attention to the salvation that you have heard. See, we tend to forget, not because God is forgetful, someone that you easily forget. But like I said, we forget because we love ourselves more than we love him. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So how do we battle this, friends? How do we battle this? What are some applications for us as we continue to go through this is that we need each other. We need each other. There's a story that I found um, as I was studying this week and it was, it was a story on, on the Great Lakes. This boat uh, was drifting uh, down through the lake and the current wasn't very fast, but it was one of those 
like slow currents, slow drifts away. And it was taking you down, taking you across the lake. And, and the people on the shore were actually seeing this actually play out. They're sitting there drinking their coffees and watching this boat. And it, they couldn't really see anybody on the boat. So they were wondering, are they sleeping? Maybe, maybe they're unaware of what's going on. And so people started phoning the Coast Guard because this boat kept going closer and closer to the rocky shore. And the Coast Guard comes up to the boat, gets around to the front and notices that it was just two people sipping coffee, having a nice morning. And as they, they were wondering, why in the world is the Coast Guard here? And after they heard the warning, they got up and looked around to the other side of the boat and realized that they were like only 100 or so yards away from the rocky shore, instantly started up and left. They were drifting without even knowing it. We need people in our lives, just like those boaters needed people on the shore, standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, looking at and going, friend, you're drifting. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And there's a lot of that going on here, which I'm very excited about. A lot of building up of one another. And that's what we need to do more of, that we might not drift away from this amazing salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for, again, your message that you've given us so clearly, that you've warned us over and over again, don't drift away. I am your only way for salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. You've given us to us over and over and over again. In the beginning, God, it started with Genesis 1.1. And here now, Jesus, the prophetic supreme one, the cosmic supreme one, the Levitical supreme one, and the angelic supreme one. May our worship be all about you today. Help us, Lord. Help us anytime our heart wanders away from you. Remind us of this salvation that we've received freely, and may we surrender to you. Confess to you Receive your amazing grace once again and then abide in you. Change the trajectory that we might seek to abide in you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Help us, Lord. We're a weak, needy people. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.